Solitary confinement is a controversial issue. Did you know that solitary confinement is a political issue? There is a tension between custody, those that correctional officers and the institution, penal institution, and prisoner rights and the harmful impact of solitary confinement. And if I were on either side of this issue, and I only bring this up because of what we're talking about today, I could agree with both sides. First of all, how do you correct prisoners that are misbehaving and you've done everything you can and you have to isolate them from the population? And at the same time, I understand that mental illness and that select group that can't get along in that population have rights and, and it creates maybe an atmosphere of mental illness and it might be cruel and inhumane punishment. But what we found, what research has found is there's a higher rate of suicide among that population that have experienced solitary confinement, that it's detrimental to their mental health and physical health if they're held for more than 15 days, and yet there are survivors that have lasted over 40 years in confinement, in isolation. 23 hours a day, out one hour a day. I don't know about you, but I have felt isolated over these last 18 months. And with the general population, typically there's 15% mental illness, but through this time, the estimate is that now there's 40% mental illness, more depression, more anxiety, more overdoses, more suicide attempts, because people are at the brink. We're, on, we're in a series called More Than Survivors. And maybe you feel like that person that has just crawled up on the beach and you're barely getting by. And maybe you've been isolated. Maybe you feel alone. Because the problem is that being alone too much becomes a problem. Research says that there's 30% higher mortality rate for people who are lonely that are isolated. I had a lady who walked out of service this morning. This was her first time, and she said, Chris, I don't know you, but that's the case of my life. What they found out on my job was that I could work from home. So guess what? I've moved away from where I lived to our community here in the Wabash Valley, and I don't have any friends. I have some family, but we don't even get together, so I am alone. And when I talk about a 30% higher mortality rate, a 40% higher rate of dementia, being alone and being lonely is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you're alone and lonely, it's detrimental to your 
physical well-being, your mental well-being, and your spiritual well-being. Because we were created to be in community. We were fashioned for fellowship. We were formed for family. Because you see, you are important to me because you are my brother. You are my sister in Christ. And I may not even know you, but I need you. Robert Putnam wrote the book Bowling Alone. I can't, I don't, I'm not a big bowler. I'm not a big bowler. I have to, I have to be desperate to go bowling. That's just not my game. But I couldn't imagine bowling alone. I could see myself maybe practicing around other people, but to bowl alone? And he's talking about the reflection of our society that we don't have the friendships, we don't have the networks, we don't have the community that we were created for. Believe it or not, when I was a very young man, I had a weekend ministry down in Maryville, Tennessee. And this place was out in the boonies. Dogs, I mean, talk about single lane roads where hound dogs would sit in the middle of the road. And on, on the porches, there would actually be rocking chairs. And the people who were sitting on those rocking chairs would have shotguns or rifles across their laps. I'm talking boons. In fact, you would, have, you would see a black flag or a funeral sign in front of the house. When you would pass by, you were to slow down and to be quiet in respect for that person. When, when during afternoons, during nice weather like what we've experienced this last week, there would actually be women quilting out in the front yard. I mean, it was a step back in time for me, even then. But they had a sense of community, of neighboring, of relationship that we have lost in our culture. We do our culture by the rule of leave me alone. Christian community is not like that. We were meant to be in one another's business. Even the magazines in America reflect the culture. If you'll remember, some of you that can remember mid-century and later, we had magazines like Time and Life and Look. Remember those? And then in the 70s, we had People. How many of you have ever saw a People magazine? Raise your hand. Okay, most of us has. Have maybe not subscribers, maybe at a newsstand or at a checkout counter. But then in the 80s, we got what? We got us. And then now we have what? Self. And pretty soon, I think we'll probably have a magazine named Me. Because obviously, it's all about me. Now, I, I want to quote someone that maybe you've heard of before today. I've, I've quoted him often, but he's never gotten credit because it's always been chapter and verse. Someone said, it is not good for man to be alone. And he said it all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We were created 
for companionship. In fact, I taught classes years ago to high school students about what is the purpose of marriage. I would start that class and I would ask that question. And they were dumbfounded because they would answer for sex, for, 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 uh, for, to have children, to, to propagate the, the, what do I want to say, the world, all kinds of answers. But nobody said for companionship. That's what we were created for. And, and if you remember church history, there were times where monastic orders and, and kind of a, hermit, a spiritual hermitage that you had to be a monk and live by yourself to be holy. But that wasn't what we were created for. We become holy. We get to know each other. We rub each other the wrong way. We're like porcupines that, that we need each other. We want to live in community at the same time. If we get too close for too long, we needle each other. But yet we need each other, don't we? I grow because of you, and hopefully you grow because of me. And sometimes sparks will fly as iron sharpens iron but we are stronger together. Today I want to talk about, about something and someone that you might not think of in this situation of community because most of the time when we look at her character, we don't think about community. And I want to look at some specific verses that kind of reveal the need for community that she had and the problem with aloneness that she had, even though she probably was probably the second most powerful person in the world at the time. And I also want to talk to you about the beauty pageant of the Bible. I want you to know something. I went to a style show this week. You surprised? It, was, it is my one and only I'm the president of the YMCA board of the Wabash Valley, and there's a group called the Why Makes Waves. Well, these are a bunch of ladies that get some stuff done, and they wanted to reopen the pool, and so they've raised funds, and they've lobbied with the mayor of Terre Haute that I've gotten to know on a first-name basis due to the swimming pool being closed and being reopened of the Y. And so they had this gala event, this style show, and... The president of Why Makes Waves invited me as the chairman of the board to go to the style show event. Well, let me just say that, that I've never been to a style show before. I enjoyed it as best as I could and had a, had a nice meal and had a good time. Now, it wasn't a beauty pageant, and I... I <laughs> Not a big style guy from that sense. But it was fascinating to be in community and to get to know some people and to rub some shoulders with and say, shake some hands and to be an ambassador not only for the YMCA but for Christ in, in a situation where they weren't he wasn't, that I know of, being represented. And I had a lady who said, you know, I was involved in the starting of this church and it happened to be the church that I was my first ministry and youth pastor and she said I was also involved in the second church and I said I lived right next door to that in Pimento and I said I'm a pastor at First Christian Church of Brazil and have been there for a long time 
And so we got the opportunity to share faith in a foreign environment. But I also had the opportunity to create alien allies. Don't know that I will ever go to a fashion show, style show again. But it was an opportunity to share the gospel. Folks, wherever you go, whatever you do, you are an ambassador for Christ. But you also have the responsibility to build community. If you turn with me in your Bibles or your tablets, you're joining online, whatever you have at your couch or in your bed or at your kitchen table, grab a book, grab your phone, and turn to Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And if, you, if I can give, give you some background for this passage and for the book of Esther, remember that King, King Xerxes, King Ahasuerus, was the same king that we see in the the movie 300. And remember the gates of hell or Thermopylae? Do you remember that where the Persians came in a, in a multitude, in a, a wave, unbelievable wave, to go against Sparta? And the Spartans and the King Leonidas took his stand with 300 Spartans to stop them from invading Sparta? Well, this is the same king, only this is earlier in his life. And, and the king had celebrated world domain. He was the most powerful person in the world and the most powerful person in any room that he went into. And so he threw a big party that went on for months and months and months. And at the end of this drunken orgy, he demanded that his wife appear before them all because she was a beautiful woman. And her response was, no way, Jose, I'm not doing it. And he gathered his wise men around him. He said, what are we going to do? And they said, King, all the women in the world are going to disrespect their husbands. Therefore, you need to banish her. You need to exile her. And King Xerxes, a Hazarus, did that. So then he held a beauty pageant with all the beautiful women of his kingdom worldwide he sent out. And Esther was the winner of that pageant. But there was an evil protagonist in this story named Haman an Agrigite, which was an Amalekite that, that was should have been, could have been destroyed, but the children of Israel did not do that. And he was a persecutor of the Jews. And he was trying to destroy all Jews. And Mordecai sent a warning to Esther and said, hey, you've got to do something. You've got to save the Jews. You've got to save your people. And until that moment, Esther didn't tell anybody. No one knew that Esther was a Jew and that the King Xerxes was married to her. But here's what Esther's response was in Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Let's look. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my young women will also fast as you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther was willing 
to risk her life for community. For those that were in her tribe, to those that she needed. Esther understood the importance of rallying support in order to shine for God. She willingly welcomed Mordecai, who offered her wise counsel. Esther also realized that to thrive spiritually, she needed to call on others for the strength that they could provide. It is no less essential for us to divulge our hopes and needs to friends if we are to reflect the light of God's love in our spheres of influence. Last week I didn't get to report this. But at the end of the service we prayed for a young lady that was in the hospital with COVID and it was life-threatening. I got a report on Monday that she was doing much better. And it was because God's people prayed. I am convinced of that. And so when we pray as a community, God moves. And we pray according to God's will for his desires, but he desires to give life. He desires to heal. He, he desires to prosper. He desires to give us success. He is for us, and if he is for us, who can be against us? I think the Apostle Paul said that. But at times, we are going to go through dark valleys. We're going to go through pandemics. But he is always present with us. Did you know that God is not mentioned in the book of Esther? The word God is not mentioned. Isn't that fascinating? That here she was, responsible for saving her community, her tribe, the Jews. And she appealed to God, go and fast and pray. Yet his name is not mentioned. And I don't think that Mordecai and or Esther promoted the Jewish faith or religion. They were just living. They were just surviving. But because of the circumstances, God caused them to rise up and shine. Lloyd Ogilvie, Lloyd Ogilvie he was a minister and he was a chaplain of the United States Senate, he says this, he says, for a log to ignite and burn, it has to be in contact with other burning logs. A log that doesn't lean on another that is already a fire will not blaze. Similarly, even logs that have been burning will grow cool and lose their glow if they are left alone and do not find the company of other pieces of wood. I just want you to know that you are an important log to me. You're just not any random branch, not any, just any piece of wood, but you are a significant log and that we need each other to burn bright. Now, I don't mean that to offend you, and I'm just teasing, but have you ever thought about yourself that way? That we need to be together to ignite each other and to encourage each other to burn brightly. Jesus said we're a city on a hill that should shine forth for him. Let me ask you a personal question. How open is your schedule to other Christians? I mean, this last week, a Christian invited me to a style show, and I went. 
It took a, a few hours. A Christian invited me to the, cha- the Chamber of Commerce golf scramble, and I went. I, I forget, there was somewhere else I was this week, and I can't even remember where I was. But, but they invited me, and I went. Why? Because I had an opportunity to influence for Christ. To shake some hands, to smile, to enjoy. Oh yeah, did I say golf scramble already? Did I say that? There was somewhere else I've gone. Not, not all, I mean most of them are not my favorite places to go. But I went because Christ needs to be involved in community to make a difference. Well, Chris, you're a pastor and people, everybody knows you're pastors, so therefore that's why you do that. You know, folks, you have more impact around the people that you know and the organizations that you're involved in than I do. And you can make a difference because that wave that you make can change lives. In the New Testament, the early believers, which I love this passage, this is a, a passionate passage, one of those things that I love about our community of faith. This is where we come from, and this is what we believe in. But if you'll turn with me in your Bibles or on your phones to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, or on version, this is what it says, this is what Luke wrote, and this is what's important. These are the new church. This is what was going on, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and, and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were generous and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The whole was greater than the sum of the parts. I mean only be one log, one branch, one piece of wood, but together we are a fire that burns bright. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It means we need each other, that, that our influence, our, our when I say presence is magnified by each other. If you're online today, and I hope you're with a watch group and you're not watching alone, you are greater than the sum of the parts together we are greater the unity magnifies Christ so the question then becomes okay I understand Chris that this is important that we are part of community and that we need each other and we're logs and we're burning brightly but how do we overcome social isolation and being alone at this time, especially when people are reluctant to gather back together because there is some health threat, but that is very minuscule, especially if you've been vaccinated. But the other piece of this puzzle is that 40% are suffering from mental illness today because of isolation. So which is greater, the mental illness or the threat of a disease? 
But let's go back and look at Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 to get some guidance and, and, and refer back to Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, Esther told them to reply Mordecai, What'd she say? Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But what does Esther tell Mordecai to do? First of all, she says, go. And my challenge to you is if you're feeling lonely, my challenge to you is to go do something. Go take a drive in your car. Go take a walk. Go hang out at a park. Go find a friend and keep your physical distance if you have to. Go hug someone. Shake a hand. Go to something, even if you don't like it, like a style show. Find something to do, to get outside of yourself. Number two is to gather. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering. However you can gather, gather. Whether it's a watch group or online or wherever, to gather. It just feels good to be together. Number three, fast and pray. Annually, we do a Daniel fast. You don't have to do the Daniel fast, but fast and pray. Allow that spiritual work to be done in your life. Number four, we saw in the book of Acts that they were sharing together. Be generous. Get outside of yourself. Support a compassion child. Support uh, one of your favorite charities. Support, obviously, your church with your giving, not only with your finances, but with your lives. Help a neighbor. Be generous with your time. Number five, engage in some relaxing activities. Rest is just as holy as work. I learned that from working out and exercising that your body needs rest to recuperate to get stronger. Our lives, we cannot work all the time. We can't be on the go. There is holy rest. Re engage in relaxing activities. It might be a holy nap on Sunday afternoon. It might be a football game. It might be golf. It might be something else. Six, follow a routine. I was never so disturbed as when we went through the quarantine where everything was shut down and you were encouraged not to go anywhere. I just came to church. Went to my office. There was nobody around. It was nice for a while, and then it got a little lonely. But I needed that routine to keep me engaged. Whatever your routine is, make it healthy, but follow routine. Number seven, maintain healthy habits. Some of us gained a, a, a COVID, not only 19, but a 25. We need to eat better, sleep better, exercise however we can. We need to maintain some of those healthy habits. Number eight, stay connected, whether by phone or by uh, video conference or by 
however, email or however you do that. Right now, our, our, our daughter and son-in-law and our, our grandkids are, are quarantined right now. They have COVID. And so our, our youngest grandson is a year and a half old. And my, I'm not a big FaceTime guy. Just not. I'm, I mean, that I, I come from the tradition you talk on a phone, you don't look at a phone. But my grandson loves to talk to me on FaceTime. And so guess what? I FaceTime with a one-and-a-half-year-old. He is not verbal. He'll come up and poke, and I will talk to his mom, and we will talk. But however we can engage, we need to do that. And number nine is to stay informed. But, but please, please, don't give in to conspiracies. Don't watch the news all the time. It's not healthy for you. Whatever perspective, conservative, liberal, whatever you do, Don't get so consumed in all of this. Realize that we serve the King of Kings. That He is in control. And that all the other lesser kings are not worthy of our praise or our attention. And we are not to be controlled except by a sovereign God who is not mentioned in the book of Esther. But we see that He is present. And He provides a way for his community to continue on. Our God is still doing that today, is he not? I want you to remember this. If you walk away from this message and, and don't remember anything else, that we are never alone. If you're in Christ, you have Christ here. You have the Holy Spirit here. The same God that created the whole universe and created this world that was present when there was nothing. And he said, let us make man in our image. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is our God, but he is our Father. Christ Jesus is our brother and our Lord. The Holy Spirit lives and resides in this temple, our physical bodies. And if we will just listen to him, he will provide a way for us never to be alone. Even if we were in solitary confinement. He will make a way for you and for me. Do you believe that? This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to give your life to Christ, to know Him as Lord and Savior, to have that salvation that you can count on from here to eternity, that you can be saved by grace through faith, no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are. God provides that. Also, I want to give you a moment to just to rededicate your life to the Lord and and to ask His presence to fill you and to encourage you and to guide you through this time in your life. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for every one of us and that we are stronger together than we are apart. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are so grateful for this time that you are always present with us, that we are never alone. You will never fail us or forsake us. And Father, we praise you for that. We're thankful that we can be a part of your family because Christ gave his life that we might know him as Lord and Savior and as brother. And Father, I just pray for everyone here, whatever they're experiencing, whatever they're going through, that they would feel your Holy Spirit's presence and encouragement that that they would have hope 
in this moment and that hope would be contagious to everyone that they are around, everyone they're in a relationship with, everyone they connect. And Father, for those that need to take a step of faith to put their faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ, we pray they would this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.